Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, a host with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, and we are in the midst of having a long, rich dialogue with our friend, Pastor Phelan Doherty from Derry, Ireland. So Phelan, Frank, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, John. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Great to have you with us, Phelan. Okay. Well, guys, we are going to pick up right where we left off. And so I'm not even going to write one of my fantastically smooth segues. I'm just going to throw the bone back to you two guys. You're doing a great job. So have at it. Pick up where you left off before. <laughs> well, thanks, John. I had a question for Phelan. You know, we were talking about the prodigal. And of course, as we all know, that has been grossly mistitled. It's a prodigal father who's the subject of that parable, reckless and lavish with his love, wasteful even with his love, we could say. Two boys in the same house, very different ways of life. Neither one really knows who they are. Neither one knew the father. And not knowing him was what led them to those different ways of life. One going into the world to try to find life, one working to try to earn it from God, but life can only be given. It can't be earned. And we were talking about that. And Phelan, your final statement was we were left with a cliffhanger because we don't know. We're not told by the Holy Spirit if that older brother the religious brother who tends to be an angry brother because really they're trying to perform in a way that they can never arrive at. We're never told whether he received and entered into life and intimate relationship with his father. So my question, Phelan, is this. John and I recently produced a commentary. It's the first one we've done on the book of Galatians. And it was a two-year project and John, can you recall how many verses there were in Galatians? Real quickly off the top oh, of your brain. Oh, no, I don't. I'd have to oh. flip into my, my mental Rolodex is rusty today, Frank. So, okay. You know. a, a three or 400 verses, at least. The entire book almost is a warning against religion, a warning against doing, working, earning from God. And yet there's one verse Galatians 5, don't use your freedom now to serve your flesh. And one of the things that spoke to my heart was kind of a thought that most people are going to err on the side of religious attempt, working, laboring to earn. The real warning for those who receive some semblance of revelation of grace is they might use it to serve their flesh. But by far, the biggest error will always be towards legalism. Do you have any thoughts about that, Phil? Yeah, I, I think Galatians 
was such an eye opener to me. It, it made such sense. You know, I remember thinking about even the picture that Paul gave of a snare. Beware that snare again of religion. And when I was a vet, I give this example in the book, I used to treat sometimes animals who'd been caught in a snare. And a snare is a pretty flimsy piece of wire or or, or rope that actually can be caught around the neck or around the leg of an animal. And the thing about a snare is it's not the strength of the snare that chokes the life out of the animal. It's the strength of the animal. You know, you can get a very large, strong animal will will kill itself really by pulling and pulling and pulling on the snare. And that's a little bit like that lie that, well, if you'd only do a little bit more for God, you know, only do a little bit more, that will kill you. That being thrown back in yourself all the time. And so the little mixture, that the other little note where Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. How true is that? And sometimes the example I like to give is, if I said to you, Frank, well, listen, actually the gospel is that you're saved 99.99% Jesus. is only 0.001%, Frank. That 0.001 will keep you awake at night. You know, how will you ever know you've done your 0.001? <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. And, uh, the, the symptoms of, of legalism are, are a deep exhaustion and frustration. And I, I love the example of Martha. Jesus arrives and there he is, the presence of God in the home and Mary's at his feet worshipping. Martha is so busy working for him. And the longer she's out there working for him, the further she feels from him. Till mm-hmm. eventually it bursts out of her in an accusation. Don't you care? And I think very often, sometimes a lot of people in the church are angry because they're tired and exhausted Mm -hmm. because they're trying to keep up a good face. But really, they've been waiting for their blessing for so long and it hasn't shown up. And they begin to think, I've been betrayed. And I think that's the difference of those two sons. One walked away from the father, the other worked away. And that's Mm -hmm. the great danger, really, of being thrown back on yourself. So I always say, beware, whatever message you hear in a church, always ask yourself one question at the end of it. Has he left my faith on Christ or on me? Some wonderful gospel messages are wrecked in the last minute, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like people yeah. just thrown back in themselves. Yeah, it was interesting. Years ago, must have been 20 plus years ago, I had occasion and I taught the Martha and Mary passage. And it was very interesting. One very hardworking lady who never did receive what we were trying to share and finally left the church, came up and her first word was, but. I really had liked what you said about Mary. The best thing was to sit at his feet, but don't you think there's a place to work? And what about that? And it was really interesting. I hadn't read the book at the time, but there is a book written by Dan Stone, and it's called The Rest of the Gospel. Have you ever Mm -hmm. read that, Phelan? I have. Lovely book, yes. Yeah. Well, you remember Dan, he called attention to this issue, and he said, what comes after the but is what you really believe. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had read the book because I would have used that with that lady at that time. Uh, You know, it's a great place to work, but don't ever forget. And uh, I hadn't read the book, so I don't remember what I answered, but... It almost comes back to this question about the I and who am I? Is the I dead or have I supposed to... What am I supposed to do for God? And recently I was saying... I'm always looking for new ways to communicate the simplicity of the gospel. And 
And one of them is to say that for years I was trying to live for God, but now by his grace, I find I can live from God and a totally different life. One of the other pictures God gave me some time ago was the effect of mixing a little bit of law with the gospel, of, of speaking to the eye and bringing the eye back into the equation. In Ireland, even to this day now, we have a, a tradition of having a wake. Have you heard of those, Frank? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. And how that started really was in, in olden times, a lot of people were actually drinking pochine or whiskey they'd made at home. And they were making it in lead stills without the knowledge that, in fact, alcohol absorbs lead. And lead poisoning comes on and can cause persons to fall into a coma. So when people uh, collapsed or died, there was a real fear that they weren't actually dead. And there was no doctor to to examine them or write a death certificate. So listen, you you laid them out for a day or two on a table in the house. People called round. Uh, You'd get people to sing over them very loudly in an attempt to wake the dead. But what happened was the lead and the alcohol had actually put them into a coma and then into death. And that's a little bit like mixing the old with the new, even in small quantities. Eventually, you'll go blind to who you really are and what you really have. It's just a powerful analogy of of the the dangers, really, of Mm -hmm. continually. And I'm not saying that one of the things is, I mean, for believers, it's not a question of your salvation. It's just what a shame that we never witnessed before the word. The whole of creation is groaning for the sons of God uh, to manifest. You know, it doesn't say the servants Mm -hmm. of God, but and absolutely we're to serve, but we're to serve as sons, not to try and earn away the sonship through our service. Yeah, like you, Phelan, I'm always trying to communicate. How do I communicate? Asking the Holy Spirit, what can I say? What can I use as a visual aid? I'm very thrilled to hear you say that phrase, we don't live for God, we live from Him, because that's the only way you really live for Him, (laughs) is to live from Him. But you know, Mm -hmm. in in John 6.57, I think part of the problem, too, is the, the translating work that people have done. And in John 6, 57, Jesus says, I live. And almost every translation I've looked at says, because of the Father, now you live because of me. But the Greek word there is ek, a little preposition. It's a word of source. And Mm -hmm. it should be translated out of or from. And if we would simply translate, I live out of the Father. Now you go live out of me. You know, it would be so clear. And so we're always trying to do that. I want to share with you, you mentioned awake and it prompted a memory in my brain. One of the things we did at Grace Life, oh my goodness, we must have done this 15 years ago. I arranged to have a local funeral home bring me a casket. And we put the casket up at the front of the auditorium. And instead of a sermon, per se, a teaching and exposition of Father's Word, I preached a eulogy about this church member who had died and wove everything I possibly could about this wonderful church member. And then we said, well, it's time to pay our last respects. And we had the ushers open up the casket and file the people by row by row to come and look in the coffin. And what we did, Phelan, is we put a mirror in there. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> so when, when they looked in, they saw themselves that they had died. 
Whether it stuck or not, I don't know, but it was at least an attempt. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a very brave thing to do, actually. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> well, he we, certainly has had a history of, I guess, pushing the envelope. <laughs> that might be a way of saying it, right? <laughs> anyway, so, Phelan, as you deliver the message to your community there, your church community and your region, how do people respond? We get some serious pushback, especially from the established church. I think, actually, there's always going to be pushback in one sense that the church is always going to be messy or else we're not really having new people coming into the church. I try not to be, how do I put this? I know people have to go on a journey. So I'm aware that in any congregation, there is a cross-section of people. Some people are absolutely receiving on the same page. Other people are being impacted. They can feel the movement of the spirits and they're absolutely amening and agreeing, but their lives aren't going to change because they don't really yet have that revelation. You know, when I see new people come to church, I don't like to see people come who are simply moving church, looking for a better this or a better that. I like to see people come through the door who are broken. They're coming from marriages broken up or whatever, God forbid. But what I'm saying is until people need grace, they don't understand it. You have to come to the conclusion that you cannot do this. You cannot be a Christian in your own strength, you know. And if you're still under the delusion that I think I could still swing this if I put my back into it a bit more, then you aren't going to like the message that doesn't include you and your work. It is really the, the leaven, the pride of man that sees himself as doing something. And that's where division comes into the body, you know, that no man should boast. I mean, the source of division really is the boasting that comes from the works of the flesh, and so that dependency, really, all the time to be so grateful and thankful for the revelation we have, whatever it is, really. I think thankfulness, thanksgiving, I call it the immune system of the believer. It stops you from catching so much, you know, <laughs> infectious nature of pride or, or denominational structure, whatever it is, really. Just be thankful. I always think of, well, you asked me, Phelan, who's the most anointed person in your church? I'd simply lead you to the most grateful person. Mm. That's it. As Paul said to the Corinthians, what do you have oh boy. that you didn't receive? You received it. Why do you boast as if you didn't? Mm -hmm. All right. It's a good word, my friend. And brokenness is not a popular message, especially here in America where, you know, I did it my way is the theme of the American way and the American dream. You mentioned thankfulness. Another synonym Phelan I might use would be to receive when that sickness, frustration, the lost job, the broken marriage, and the wound that it causes is, yes, thankful in all things, but maybe the idea of receiving it to the sense that it accomplishes in you a revelation of your need, because faith yeah. is born out of need. Mm -hmm. And one of the analogies we use here, John and I use a lot, is of an old boombox. Did you have those in Ireland? The boombox? It was a uh, great big radio. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And, and you know, the, the marvel about those things in the 80s and 90s was the kids had a great big speaker with those things so they could play their music loud and you could plug it in. But you could unplug it and put in batteries and turn a button and it would run on the battery power. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And that's really a picture of us. Adam unplugged us and we've all got batteries. And some of us have store brand batteries that don't work very well. Some have you know, what we call ever ready. Some have 
energizers, these dynamic batteries, but it's all battery. Mm -hmm. And really the best thing God could do for any of us is to allow the circumstances of life to burn out our batteries yeah. uh, so that we'd look to plug in to a power mm -hmm. source that will always be there and always provide no yes. matter how rough the circumstances that's, get. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Frank, you, you'd mentioned Father wants us to reach a point where our batteries fail and we just admit that they fail. And Phelan, you mentioned that broken people are the ones who need to be walking through your church door because they are those who are most needy in this country. We don't see much of an emphasis on that. Many churches that mm -hmm. Frank and I have observed over the years will be so focused on digging through scripture that they're kind of like mini seminaries. Other churches will be so focused on meeting the needs of society at large that they become like social welfare programs. But we found surprisingly few, unfortunately very few churches who are willing to step up and be a hospital. So I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, that's lovely. I think the sharing of the life, I think Jesus left us, he didn't leave us a platform to perform from. He left us a table to partake from. You know, it was almost like he knew in this world that we'll be left in, that this world would try and teach us again how to perform, how to be an eye, mm -hmm. how to be a better eye. So he said, no, no, I'm not asking you to produce this life. I'm asking you to partake of this life, to learn to receive. And so that's why coming around the table, as it were, but we've even twisted that now and made that some sort of barrier that you have to get over a certain standard before you can actually, again, as it comes down to looking at yourself in the wrong way. One of the pictures that God gave me at one point was a film that I saw in the cinema a number of years ago called The King's Speech. If you remember that, it was about the queen who mm -hmm. recently passed away. Her father had a very bad stutter and um, he, he couldn't really appear in public. And he had to take up with um, a speech therapist in private to try and correct his stutter. And in this film, it's a true story. It shows an incident, in fact, where the king went along to this man and the therapist made him put on a pair of headphones. And then he played through the headphones some very loud music. Before he did that, he handed the king a, a book of sonnets and said, now read this poetry. And the king said, OK. But before he could read it, the man turned the music up so loud that the king could not hear himself. He tried to read, and then after a minute or so, he just threw the book down in frustration, pulled off the headphones and stormed out. But later in the film, when he was very frustrated at his inability to speak without stuttering, he took the record because the man had recorded what the king had read, even though he couldn't hear it, and mm. given him a record. The king played this record, and he heard himself speak perfectly without wow. a stutter. And I felt God was saying... That's how we can speak when the voice of the enemy, the voice of the accuser has been drowned out and we're not hearing our own failings, our own weaknesses all the time reflected back to us. We can prophesy. We can speak absolutely in love, you know. And so as we continue to partake of his amazing love, his amazing acceptance, to live from his approval rather than for years trying to live for his approval, you know, but who is brave enough to preach that message in that mm -hmm. sense? You know, Because it sounds like, and I think it was the great preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, 
who said, if the message mm -hmm. you're preaching doesn't sound like you're giving people a license to sin, then you're probably not preaching the gospel because Correct. that's exactly what it, it does sound like. I remember actually in Acts 13, when Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel in that city of Antioch, it said the whole city, the second time they preached, the whole city came out to hear them. Now, whole cities don't come out to hear advice. They come to hear news, you know. And yet, when they give this amazing proclamation, which amounted to the abolition of religion, the people who threw them out of the city, if you look at the end of chapter 13, it says, interesting, it says, the noble men and the devout woman of the city got them thrown out. I thought, why does it say that? Why is it the devout woman got them thrown out? And I think it's because if you take religion seriously, then the gospel is always going to sound to you like a license to sin because it doesn't have a, it doesn't have mm -hmm. enough of you in it, you know. And this is the the continual challenge to the preaching of the gospel, you know. And I think uh, you've asked there about the change in people. I, absolutely, I mean, I've seen individuals be changed, come into rest, and that affect their emotions, affect their relationships, everything around them, and it, it's something that we're all growing in. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing, praise God. Mm. What a wonderful testimony. Frank, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? We've seen some of the same slow but steady uh, in the body of grace life, haven't yeah. we? Well, yes, yeah, some absolutely radical transformations instantly before your eyes. And then others who just picked and fought and ridiculed and and said, you know, you keep teaching this way, people will run naked through the streets. And you say, no, that's not what's going to happen. The law never kept anybody from sinning. And then over time, some people gradually got it. Uh, one of my favorite, I use this lady all the time. Gosh, I think we'd been there teaching the life, John, for maybe 10 or 12 years. And after one message one day, this woman came running up and she said, I got it. And I said, really, what'd you get? And she said, everything you've been talking about ever since you got here, I got it. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she took her hand and waved it over the crowd that was now leaving the auditorium and said, today, I'm free of all these people. I don't have to perform for them ever again. And I said, well, that's it. She said, I'm not done yet. And I said, okay. And here's where I think she really understood. She started to cry and she waved over those same people and said, today, all these people are free of me. They don't have to perform for me ever again for me to accept them. Yeah. yeah I'd say good. the Holy Spirit had opened her eyes. Uh, mm. What a beautiful yeah. way to put it, because it, it wasn't just her possession. It was now what she possessed to present to others. It's a universal law. You know, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. And I think she gave for the first time acceptance. She had finally received herself. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Praise God. It, it is. How can you accept others if you have not accepted that Christ has accepted you? You're absolutely right. I, I can't give what I don't have. And I find that I have to keep drinking in this beautiful gospel. I think Paul wrote to the Romans, and though he'd never been there yet or never met them, they were Christians, yet he said, I desire to preach the gospel in Rome to these believers, you know, and so the gospel is good news. It's not advice, mm -hmm. uh, God, and the mixing of advice with the news has estranged us 
from the very joy uh, and the imminence, really, uh, and the presence of our acceptance and God with us, you know, which was the, the original reason they ran out of the upper room, <laughs> you know, uh, all speaking in their own language of the mighty works of God, not the mighty works of men. That's um, right. Well said. You know, gentlemen, we've been sitting here now, all total over two episodes, uh, more than 90 minutes, and it's just blessed me because I'm hearing your hearts. Two men who are not concerned about performing, not concerned about looking good, but just want to elevate the name of Jesus so that others will be drawn to him. So your shepherd attitudes, your hearts for shepherding are, is amazing. And Phelan, I'm actually looking at the image you've chosen to identify yourself for these uh, distance recordings. And you've got, of all things, a picture of a sheep. And so I want you to applaud you on the choice of your picture. It's marvelous. But as we're wrapping this up, my Irish friend, I want to give you a chance to say one last comment to our listening audience. You know, if you had one last revelation that you'd want them to know, what would that be? Hmm. Well, that's a very... Uh, that's a very big question. I, I would say I just rejoice in the fact that I know the gospel is not the message of what might be if you, it's the message of what is because he. And that's a totally different way of living. It's mm -hmm. to, to live from a finished work, uh, it's to live from rest. It, it's such a beautiful thing, really, you know. And so he, we have a father who never left us to save ourselves. And that is such the best news in the world. Wow. Mm. It's amazing. Well, Pastor Frank, I'll give you the same privilege, my friend. You've been uh, enjoying this chat with Phelan for a while. What wrap-up revelation would you like to share with our listeners before we sign off? Oh, gosh, my heart's pretty full, John. Maybe Romans 11.32. It's of him, through him, and to him are all things. He's the source. He's the means. And he is the goal. In him is the life. And the life is the light. And when you have his life, the light goes on. And you see everything differently. Your past, your future, your present, yourself, him, your family, your job. The light goes on. Mm. And wonderfully, the light dispels the darkness that we've lived in for so long. Wow. So. Good word, my friend. Well, dear ones, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. With our guest today, Pastor Phelan Doherty from River City Church in Derry, Ireland. Also the author of the hopefully soon best-selling book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Father We Never Knew. You can find that on Amazon. And friends, if this podcast has touched your heart today, I encourage you not to stop there, but go to our website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. Look around while you're there. There are lots of resources designed with the same focus to bring you face-to-face -face with the incredible truth of Jesus Christ, not only as your Lord, not only as your Savior, but as your very life. And if Father leads you to support this podcast, uh, please click the donate button at the top of the page. We will joyfully and thankfully receive whatever you want to share with us. While you're there, Pop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Sign up for our newsletter. 
And of course, check us out on all of our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. In fact, our new YouTube channel has just been populated with a series of messages from Psalms and from First Timothy. So please check that out. And as always, we close with this very same reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, that no matter what life throws at us, how discouraged we might feel, how dark it might seem in the valley of the shadow of death, we have a hope. And that hope is not a program. It's not an idea. It's none other than a person, a living hope, a blessed hope. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose that hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.